father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsaber's Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Cycle podcast where you waste time on fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Joanna. How do you feel about the Beatles? Well, they're, they're pretty good. They're, you know, they're one of the classic rock bands that baby boomers love, but all people enjoy their music. And they sound kind of like this, like I wrote a song about an octopus. Well, you said that everybody enjoys their music, but I know one person who didn't. Who doesn't enjoy my music? J.R.R. Tolkien. Oof, it hurts my feelings. It's me, Ringo Starr. I'm incredibly offended. So, we might have mentioned, Ringo, previously on this podcast, that the Beatles at one point wanted to do their own adaptation of Lord of the Rings, and J.R.R. Tolkien said a pretty definitive hell no. I wanted to be Boromir. I know, I actually think Ringo was supposed to be Sam. I wanted to be Samwise Gamgee. Well, that dream never came to fruition because he said no. I found out recently, and I'll try to post this article on Facebook, that one of the reasons, maybe, that he said no was that in the 50s, he and his wife, who was apparently very ill at the time, moved to a new neighborhood for the sake of her health. That neighborhood happened to be where a local garage band that J.R.R. Tolkien adorably called, quote, the Beatle Group. (laughs) Those filthy mop tops and their hips gyrating and their rocking and rolling. Literally a garage band at that time, and he couldn't stand it. Apparently they were officially labeled disturbers of the peace. Did he actually call the bobbies on them? He may have called some Bobbies. He oh. may have called at least one Bobby. I can neither confirm nor deny that he called a Bobby. What a square. A constable. What a sellout. Uh, so he was not into it. And I actually think in terms of J.R. Tolkien's like whole personage, he'd be more of a sellout if he liked the Beatles. I, yeah, maybe. Like, if you're going to be a stodgy old man, just do it all the way. What kind of music do you think Tolkien liked instead of that Beatles music? Wagner. I'm almost positive he liked Wagner. Hey. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, but... I mean, nowadays it's got some associations with it. I don't know that it necessarily did back in the day, but uh, it picked him up pretty fast. I mean, I think that was... He was was known to complain that Hitler's perversion of Northern mythology had just kind of ruined it for everybody. So I believe he would sort of stubbornly listen to Wagner even after. I mean, I get it, you know, like a lot of stupid goth kids ruined Donnie Darko for me in high school, but I still like that movie. I can't even decide whether or not I objectively like that movie because of those same kids. Because I had a roommate who spent so much time telling me how I just didn't get it. But you know, like, if Tolkien can get over the Nazis loving Wagner, you can get over dorks loving Donnie Darko. Maybe. In time. Those wounds will heal. What news do you have for me about Star Wars? Well... Got some some hot drops this week on the old Twitter sphere. Oh, Mark snap. Hamill is at it again. He's hinting, he's teasing about Episode Nine, and so he decided to drop two days ago the first picture from the Star Wars trailer. And what is it? It's literally a trailer that has Star Wars on the side, like a trailer you pull behind your truck. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill did got us again. Mark baby. Hamill done done it again, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Hashtag Trollmaster Hamill. Big news. I mean, this he week. is of uh, he is a gentleman of a certain age. I guess he's entitled to make such jokes. Oh, it's entirely dad jokes, and I love, love, love it. That's good news. Wow, is that good news? That's excellent news. It's short but Thank sweet. Thank you for disseminating and, uh, that. Well, do you want to talk about some princesses? Joanna, princesses are for girls. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. Princesses are gooey and gross. Hmm, that is a problem. I wonder if there's some way we could counterbalance all the girliness of princesses with something cool that boys like, like Hot Wheels cars in a Happy Meal. I don't think that ever will happen, but fine. I'll sit and listen to your princesses. I'm not going to, like, wear pink or nothing. That's gross. I, uh, well, okay. I know that's for girls. Uh, I know. I mean, there's really strict gender roles because I'm a little boy. And if we have boys playing with princesses and girls playing with Hot Wheels cars, the next thing you know, it's the dis- decline of Western civilization. I'm going to become an SJW, my dad says, if I listen to princess talk. Do you know what SJW stands for? Stupid, junky, <laughs> wussies. That's what it stands for. Nevertheless, I dressed up as a princess for a Christmas party today, and I want to talk about princesses. You know what? Coming, coming back out of this child persona here, I'm, I'm an adult man, and I would love to hear about princesses. Oh, good. I'm so glad, because there are a lot of interesting princesses in the Tolkien mythos. Oh, I'm waiting to be impressed. And if there's one thing people love, it's Disney princesses. Wait, but Tolkien didn't like Disney, right? Like, they're not tied together. Well, <laughs> until now. What are you saying? Not only am I going to tell you about Tolkien princesses, I'm going to tell you which Disney princess song will belong to each one of them. Ooh, okay, I like this. Yeah. Are you ready? Now, Some of them are, are more gonna... of a stretch than others, I'll tell you that. Are we going to have the copyright issues? Well, we don't get paid anything for this podcast, so I, I hardly oh, you're see not how. you're paid? Oh, no, are you? Look, we got to talk about this after the show. All this time? we got to talk about this All this, this time? Why have I been paying literally half the rent all this time? Well, I'll talk to our lawyers. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, anyway, so what's our, let's talk about princesses. All right. So let's talk about our first princess. Her name is Aorwin. Aor, wait. Like- Aorwin. Not to be confused with Arwen or Aowen. Aorwin. It sounds like a fusion of the two. Like they went fusion, ha, huh, and they made Aorwin. Or to be more accurate, Aorwin split into Arwen and Aowen because she came long before them. Really? Okay. Really, 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 really. Long before them. Tell me about her. Well, she was the princess of Alqualonde. Do you remember Alqualonde? It's got a wonderful name that sounds like a fort in Mexico. Yeah, remember the Alqualonde? <laughs> you might as well say that because it's where the first kinslaying took place. Yikes. If you remember, the Teleri living there didn't want to give Feanor their boat so he could go swing his dick around in Middle Earth, and so he just killed a bunch of them. Okay, I remember that. Yeah. Now, Erwin was the silver-haired daughter of Olwe of the Teleri, and she was called the Swan Maiden of Alqualonde. So she dwelt on the shores with her father and her brothers, and eventually she got hitched to Finarfin. Finarfin was the youngest of the children of Finwe, who was the founder of the Nol- Line. And Erwin herself had five children, among which were Finrod, Felagund, and Galadriel. Oh, it's Galadriel's mama. This is Galadriel's mama. Erwin. Erwin, yes. Now, as her children were the children of sea elves, they had a love of the sea and a longing for distant places. And for that reason, Galadriel decided that she was going to cross into the east with her uncle Feanor against her and most other people's better judgment because Feanor was an ugly, yellow, no good son of a butt. Yeah, we don't like him. Yeah, we don't like him. This is a very, very anti-Feanor pie. If you like Feanor, like Feanor kin, do not interact. That was a joke for the other kin on Tumblr. If you are one of them, that joke was for you. Everyone else, sorry. All right, I'm going to play you the song that I picked out. What song is Erwin's? 
Erwin and her children. Something about the water, about swimming, or the swans. Oh, yes, indeed. Here we go. So can we just like spend the rest of this episode listening to the Moana soundtrack because it's really it's good. It's extremely hard. Okay, so she, I can imagine her like looking out in the sea on her swan boat and just being like, I could go all the way to Middle Earth on this thing. Well, who knows how far I'll go? I don't believe she did. However, her kids did. Galadriel did. Okay, so maybe that song's for her. Aradel is our next princess, and she was another peripatetic one. Okay. So she was the princess of Gondolin. We talked about her before, but just as a refresher, she was the sister of Fingon and Turgon, and she was born in the Undying Lands and grew up to be extremely tall, extremely pale, extremely dark of hair, and she was also kind of eccentric in that she always dressed in silver and white. Sounds like a real kooky gal. She was a kooky gal. She was known as the White Lady of the Noldor. And while she was in Valinor, she hunted far and wide with the sons of Feanor. Oh, she's a tomboy. She was kind of a tomboy, yes. So when the Noldor departed to Middle-earth, Aradel traveled with them. And then after Gondolin was built, she traveled there with the rest of Turgon's people and settled down. But because once you enter Gondolin, you could never leave, she started to get a little bit restless. She got to go hunting. She got to get out there and flex them them wilderness muscles and do some some scouting and stuff, right? Exactly. The Hidden Valley of Toulon was, frankly, boring as hell. So against her brother's wishes, Aradel left Gondolin to sow her wild oats. This means that eventually she entered the enchanted woods of Nan Elmoth, where she was found by Aeol the Dark Elf. Uh-oh. And it says, Aeol took Aradel to wife. It is not entirely clear to what extent this was consensual. <laughs> However, we do know that elves had a tendency to die if they were forced to have sex against their will, so maybe she was at least a little bit into it. So, Aeol hated the sunlight. So he lives in the dark. So he lives in the dark, and he made Aradel also live in the dark. So they were just bumping around for, like, years and years. In fact, almost a hundred years, like, they didn't know where anything was, like, bumping their shins on coffee tables, like, not knowing what the hell was going on. Oh, living in the absolute man. dark. Man. At last... Aradel got sick of that, so she decided to leave her husband and travel back to her brother in Gondolin. So she waited until he was away. She grabbed their son, Maeglin, and she set out for Gondolin. Oh, left home. Yes. Isn't there a thing with elves, though, if you, you, like your bonded for life thing? Isn't that what we talked about? Yeah. So once you're married, you're married for life. There is no elf divorce. However, there is a little loophole. It's called dying. So when the journey was completed... Turgon welcomed his sister back with open arms and his new nephew, but of course, as we discussed before, it didn't turn out so well because it turns out that Papa Aeol had tracked his wife and son to Gondolin, and he showed up to make a huge scene like a total hoser. Oh, I should have gotten that restraining order before. Oh, no. I know, and Turgon told him, hey, guy, you're welcome to stay here, but JYSK, you can never leave. JYSK? JYSK, just so you know. Oh. God, you're getting old. Maddened, Aeol chose death for himself and also his son Maeglin, whose opinion he does not seem to have asked. <laughs> so he threw a poison dart at Maeglin. Aradel made like Sinbad in First Kid and jumped in front of it, and so she met her end. Mongoose 12. At Mongoose 12. And later Aeol, who I guess is the Mongoose 12 in this scenario, was put to death. Good. Good riddance. So let that be a lesson to you. Never try to expand your horizons. Oh, that stinks for her. I mean, uh-uh. she, she died a hero saving her boy, but man... Made some bad decisions so in what's, her what's, life. So what's her song? What applies to her? Well, let's talk about the princess who made the ultimate number of bad decisions. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun, wandering free. Wish I could be 
part of that world. And she became part of that world and ended up living for a century in the darkness. Oh, man. And then being killed. Okay, yeah, I see the parallels. You kind of got a, a princess with cabin fever who longs for more than her surroundings, gets out of it, and falls in love with a guy with black hair. Yeah. So... I wonder if Prince Eric made Ariel live in the dark for a hundred years. Is he Prince Aoric? Prince Aoric, who hates the sunlight. Ooh. And also decides to make decisions for his teen son about whether he wants to live or die. Ariel made some real boneheaded decisions in that movie. I'm, it's really amazing that everything turned out She's okay. She's kind of just lucky that it turned out okay. I would not recommend any 16-year-old girl to do this. For all you 16-year-old girls out there, I do not endorse you growing a pair of legs and going to land and trying to marry the first prince you see who falls in love with you or professes to fall in love with you despite the fact that you cannot speak to him so you know it's just a sexual thing. Just don't give up your voice. Just don't, don't give in to peer pressure. Just gotta say no before you can't say no anymore. Next, Idril. Idril was the princess of Gondolin. Another princess of Gondolin. Another princess of Gondolin. Idril was Turgon's daughter. Okay. Idril Celebrindel, as she was called, was the only child of Turgon because his wife perished during the the crossing to Middle-earth. And she was loved in secret, well, not so secret, I think, by her cousin Maeglin, whom we just mentioned. Yes. So he grew up to be a total creep. Right, we knew knew the Maeglin story. So, you know, good thing his mom bothered to save him. Yeah. It's like if Hitler's mom took a poison dart for Hitler. Woof. Woof. So, she scorned Maeglin's advances, Idril did, because of his dark character, as well as the fact that they were cousins, so, you know, gross. So, but, when a, a hot, hot, hot piece of butt called Tuor, son of Huar, arrived in Gondolin, Idril fell madly in love with him. And because Turgon had been friends with Tuor's dad, and because he had grown to love Tuor as a son, he allowed them to wed, thus bringing about the second, only the second time ever that men and elves got married, after Baron and Luthien. The number two best union of men and elves. Married in seconds! Married in seconds. Idril and Tuor, Tuor, Tuor. Now, being farsighted, Idril sensed that there would be danger on the horizon, and so she encouraged Tuor to make a secret passage under the city, so if the city was attacked, survivors could safely escape. At Good. that time, Hi. it seemed like nobody knows where this place is. That's so pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it actually ended up being smart, because Maglin betrayed them, because he was so high on cousin love. And indeed, they did have to evacuate as Morgoth's forces swarmed in to destroy Gondolin. And later, Idril and her man-husband Tuor were leading the exiles from Gondolin as they rebuilt in the mouths of the Syrian West Beleriand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When Tuor got old, he and Idril departed in a ship for the West, and it is believed that they were accepted into Valinor, even though Tuor was a man and was reckoned to be the kindred of the elves, so both she and her husband now live in Valinor. Lucky. I know, so that's really good. So I couldn't find the exact place in this song. So let me see if I can I'm skip around for a second here. Okay, now, Joanna, what I, I get what you're doing here, <laughs> but I think you're also calling Tarzan a princess. You mean he's not? I, well, are you being sexist right now? Who says Tarzan can't be a princess? Who says a, a monkey man cannot be a princess? He is king of the jungle, I suppose. And also princess. Ipso facto, because there's only him, right? So he is king, queen, princess, prince, duck, duck, duke, duck. 
<laughs> he is the duck, the 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 okay, the, okay. the highest ranking duck in the land. I mean, Tarzan is one of my favorite Disney princesses. With that Full logic, stop. Uh, yeah, sure. The next princess we're going to touch on only briefly because we discussed her pretty extensively, mm-hmm. Luthien, Princess of Doriath. Oh yeah, I guess she would be a princess, huh? She was, because she was the daughter of King Thingol of Doriath and Melian the Maya, and she was said to be the fairest elf who ever lived. We all know that as Baron was wandering the woods of his father's kingdom, he came upon Luthien and they grew to love one another. However, when Luthien and Baron went to ask Thingol for permission to marry, he was disgusted that she wanted to wed a mortal. And so he sent Baron on what he thought was an unachievable task, recover a Silmaril from the Iron Crown of Morgoth himself. Mm-hmm. So Baron left Doriath in pursuit of his hopeless quest. Well... As we've mentioned, the hopeless quest turned out to be not so hopeless. Through Luthien's assistance, Baron was able to get a Silmaril, although both he and Luthien died in the process. I remember that, yes. Their spirits gathered in the halls of Mandos in the uttermost west of the world, and there Luthien sang a song that slapped so hard, it convinced Mandos to bring her and Baron back to life. And so they did. She was brought back to life as a mortal, and she and Baron dwelt for a time in happiness on the green island of Tolgalen in the river Adarin. All right. So that's actually rather a sweet story. Yeah. And so I have picked the sweetest of Disney songs. Another good princess song. Another uh, excellent princess songs. Another one of my favorite Disney princesses. Okay, let's hear it. Oh, this is the night. It's a beautiful night. Full disclosure, I'm like 80% sure that this is what Luthien sang in the Halls of Mandos. It's beautiful. Yeah. Wouldn't this move your iron heart if you were Mandos himself? Oh yeah, give these kids another chance. Okay, I guess you could argue that Lady is, is kind of a princess of dogs. Yeah, well, and also think about it this way. First of all, they were helped by a dog. They were all pure. Second of all, Lady and the Tramp, she's a princess and Baron is basically a tramp because all his people got destroyed. So he's just like walking around in the woods. The parallels are uncanny. Cinematic parallels, I tell you. Beautiful. Beautiful comparison there. I like it. Do you agree with that one a little bit more than Tarzan? Absolutely. Okay, great. Let's see how you feel about this one. No, just to be clear, I don't disagree with the song from Tarzan. It fits her story pretty well. Until you explained it to me, I didn't believe that Tarzan was a princess. But now, he's part of the pantheon, as far as I'm concerned. He definitely is. Yeah. He's going to have his own Barbie. I think he should. Now, the next princess we're going to talk about is another one you've heard about before. Finduilas. Ah, Rachel's friend. Rachel's bestie. Princess of Nargathron. That's from our episode, Rachel's Rescue. Exactly. So Finduilas lived in Nargathron with her dad, Oradreth, and her brother, Gilgalad under the rule of Finron Felagund, and she was initially betrothed to Gwyndor. Poor uh, old Gwyndor. Poor old ugly scarred up Gwyndor. Poor old ugly Gwyndor. So, uh, Gwyndor was captured in 472 of the First Age, but he came back 18 years later with this strange companion. And this companion called himself Agarwen, son of Umarth, which means bloodstained son of the cursed. Yeah, he's fine. So apparently Finduilas was impressed by this stupid name. And also <laughs> Gwyndor was scarred and ugly now. So she fell in love with Bloody McCursewitch, who was in fact Turin Turambar using an assumed name. Such a name a 14-year-old boy would come up with too. Bloodstained son of the cursed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like almost positive that was this one kid's like AOL screen name. With a bunch of like X's separating the words. Yeah, and also like Sephiroth throwing yeah. Somehow. SSJ. Now, Turin failed to notice Finduilas's feelings, and in fact, she reminded him of Laleith, the sister he lost in childhood. So basically, Turin's response to Finduilas's secret unrequited love was, Oh, Finduilas, you're like a sister to me. Friend zoned. Ouch, man. 
Ouch. So at the sack of Nargothron by the dragon Glaurung, Finduilas was captured. Gwyndor was slain after ordering Turn to protect Finduilas, as only she could save him from his fate. Mm-hmm. He did not protect Finduilas. In fact, he was entranced by the dragon, and he couldn't hear Finduilas' cries as she was being dragged past him. And she was dragged away with a lot of other captives, and she was killed. In fact, she was pinned to a tree with a spear, where Turin later found her. Not in my adventure. Not in your adventure. In your adventure, you saved her. Yeah. Yeah. But you couldn't save her from herself. No, she's still a huge, crazy woman. Well, she, in our adventure, she was. Yeah. I don't know for a fact. She's just she's just a girl who was in love. You know? Like, we did her a real disservice in our game. Yeah, just for all time's sake, can I hear that Fendula's voice? Oh, God. Let's see. What was it? Oh, Turin. He was just like, oh, Turin, you're so handsome and your muscles are so strong and the way your nipples protrude from underneath you tuning drives me absolutely mad love it that's a wonderful voice yeah thank you you're welcome and now i'm going to play her song oh i forgot to tell you this actually isn't from fendwilas's perspective this is from gwindor's perspective okay <laughs> hold on i can do we need, we need fendwilas song i can do this when somebody loved me everything was beautiful every hour was spent together Lives within my heart. This is how he felt. And when she was sad. Do you care? I was there. I, well, I mean, I, I always felt for Gwyndor, but. And when she was happy, so was I. When she loved me. I mean, she did kind of dump him like yesterday's news, you know? Like, just like Jesse's former owner just kind of left her in a box. And even though. It was supposedly because she had just fallen so in love with Turin. You know it was a little bit about his looks. A little bit. You know it was at least a little bit because Gwyndor had scars. Jesse didn't have any scars, though. That we know of. She had emotional scars. Maybe the maybe the girl had scars. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was kind of a reverse. We didn't see her completely... We never saw her face. There I'm is, just saying. There is the fan theory that it was actually like Andy's mom... Was Jesse's former. I have actually heard that before, and it could be the case. Let's move on to the next princess. Okay. The next princess is Nienor. Oh, Nienor. Another person from the story of Turin, daughter of Hurin and Morwen. She traveled from Doriath in search of her brother Turin when she came up under the dragon spell of Glaurung. Okay. Which caused her to lose her memory. So fleeing to Brethel, she found Turin there, but because she no longer had her memory, she did not recognize him, and they unwittingly got married which is so gross and now the song i have for nienor which is really quite relevant indeed see if you get this i mean i do get it already (laughs) no you don't wait She has amnesia, right? <laughs> I'll tell you why your reflection is someone you don't know. Because you fell under the spell of flowering and he made you lose all your memories. Okay, yeah. yeah. Spot on, right? Spot on. Spot on, Mulan right? is a princess. You can't criticize me for that one. Okay, That's sure. a very good one. Got it, got it, got it. Who's next? Vidumavi. That sounds like a like a... A cool Indian goddess of death. It really does, but it's really not. She was actually one I had not really heard about before because she is a princess of Rovanian, which is not an area that I've studied that much. Oh, okay. So 
Princess Vidamavi, the Princess of Rovanian, was the woman who married Valakar, the son of Minilkar, the king of Gondor. So she essentially married the prince of Gondor. This is another human princess. Yes, she is human. She met Valakar in her homeland of Rovanian when he was sent there by his father, who was trying to make closer ties between the Northmen and Gondor. Mm -hmm. And Valakar and Vidimavi fell in love at that point, and they were wed. In the year 1260, Vidimavi was brought by her husband to Gondor from Rovanian, and she was welcomed because she was very fair and very noble. She was, unfortunately, as the Gondorians feared, very short-lived compared to them. Yeah. So she died old for one of her own people, but she still died before she and Valakar's son, the future king Eldakar, was able to assume the throne. Because of Eldakar's short-lived non-Dunadine mother, many Gondorians were unwilling to accept him as king. So this led to the disastrous kin strife, during which Osgiliath was pretty much destroyed, mm. and the Palantir fell into the river. Poor Vidumavi, fish out of water in Gondor. I came up with the perfect song for her. She got there, she wasn't wearing stilettos, she was wearing chucks. This definitely wasn't a Nashville party, and it was so hard when her girls weren't around her. But you know what? She was fair and noble, so she was accepted, and it was a party in the USA. And then a Jay-Z song was on. And a Jay-Z song was on. All right, I get it. Get it? I guess Hannah Montana could be a Disney princess. She is I a Disney princess, Ryan. I mean, she... She's is, a Disney... She's Disney's property. She's a... I mean, yeah. She's she's the daughter of the king of country music, Billy Ray Cyrus. Achy breaky heart. The lord of the achy breaky heart. Therefore, the princess of, of country music. Yeah. So, you know, it makes sense. Another one you just cannot criticize, basically. And I won't. Okay. We have two more princesses to go. I can't wait to see what they are. The first is Arwen. Oh, I know Arwen. We need to do a longer story on her. We, we've touched on her a couple times, well, but we know, haven't just, really given her her own episode. Like a quick little overview, maybe. So she was the daughter and youngest child of Elrond and Calabrian, and she was born in the 3rd century and the 3rd age. So for 2,700 years, she lived happily with her father Elrond in the house at Rivendell. But eventually she decided to take a short trip to Lorien to hang out with her grandmama, Galadriel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when she came back, there was this young buck there, and he was quite a looker. He had God-given ass. He was just poured into those jeans. This was Aragorn, who was, like, something like 21 at the time. He was very, very young. Especially compared to her, she was 2,710. Okay. So robbing that cradle. Soon after that encounter, Aragorn left to go adventure in the wild, but Arwen met him again some 29 years later. And on the mound called Karen Amroth, the two plighted their troth, which is just a great phrase that I wish people would use more often. Plighted their troth. Plighted their troth. You've never heard it before? So you like, hear it in, like, Arthurian legends and stuff. So, like, betrothed is what this means, right? They're, like... As far as I know, yes. Kind of engagement, right? You, like, kind of promise yourselves to each other, Yeah, I got right? it, I got it. Okay. After Aragorn became king, he and Arwen got married at Midsummer during the year of the downfall of Barad-dûr, whereupon Arwen gave up her immortality, and so she was the only elf since Luthien to do so, and only the third elf to marry a mortal man. She remained Aragorn's queen for more than 100 years, but eventually he did die, and so she just kind of passed into the empty land of Lorien and was never seen again. Oh. And it was said that eventually she made her way to the mound of Karen Amroth, and there she died, and it was the same mound where she and Aragorn had plighted their troth so many years before. It's very sweet. It's very, very romantic, and this is her song. This is what she sang after Aragorn died and she wandered into the wilderness. Let it go, let it go. 
Okay, now I see that her giving up her immortality. This is more complex. Yes, so this is complex. Yeah. So when she gave up her immortality to marry Aragorn against her father's wishes, she sang this. Right. But then after he died and she wandered into the wilderness, she sang it again, but in a minor key. A sad reprise. Yeah, of it. a sad reprise. A tearful reprise. That's beautiful. Yeah, so that's Arwen's song. Are you ready for the last princess? And Elsa is a princess, so again, you're 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 got a pretty good record going. Let's yes, but this last one is definitively not. Okay. Don't look yet. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna look, I'm not gonna look. All right. So the last one I want to talk about is Lothario, the princess of Dol Amroth. I don't know anything about any of these She's things. the most recent of the ones on this list. She was the youngest child and only daughter of Prince Imrahil of Dol Amroth. And Dol Amroth was a principality of Gondor, so okay. rulership of it was considered a very high honor. After the War of the Ring in the year 3021 of the Third Age, when she was 22 years old, she became queen to King Eomer of Rohan. Okay. The couple had a son called Elfwine. Gwen bore a close resemblance to Lothiriel's father, Imrahel, and it's speculated that he may have inherited some of the elvish blood that was said to run in the veins of that family. Ooh la la. Lothiriel was, by the way, the cousin of Boromir and Faramir, so that means that brother and sister pair Eomor and Eowyn married a set of cousins, which is mildly messed up. Yeah... I mean, it's legal. Like, it's like, not is it that... genetically screwy, yeah, probably. There's... But, you know, it's a little weird. It's it, makes, confusing. it makes family reunions a little confusing. Confusing for those cousins, but... Yeah. As I just mentioned, Lothiriel would have had some elvish blood in her veins, which would have given her just a little bit of magic. And so this is the song that I chose for her. <laughs> Yeah, I just, no. really, I just, I just really couldn't think of one. No, <laughs> I, I was like, "Is there a Disney song about being cousins?" <laughs> I don't know. So that's what we got. Gross! Princesses are nasty. They put girls, and I'm a boy. Really? You didn't? You don't think they're any cooler even after listening to all that? No, I think they're cool as an adult, but that's a little boy. That's for girls. Okay, so let's go back to the McDonald's metaphor. Imagine it's one of those Happy Meal deals where, you know, if you have a little girl, they get the girl toy, and you have a little boy, they get the boy toy, Again. which is always so stupid to me, but... Now listen, little boys, if you want that girl toy, get that freaking girl toy. When I was real little, they had a choice between, it was, I can't even remember, it was like a truck or like a strawberry shortcake toy. I got the strawberry shortcake toy, and it smelled like strawberries. I recommend it. And likewise, if you're a little girl and you want to get a Hot Wheels truck, get the flippin' Hot Wheels truck. Do what you want. Live your life. Don't ascribe to gender norms. I don't care what your parents are telling you. Just don't do it. Also, the thing is, some children are neither a little girl nor a little boy. Yeah. So, you know, what toy are they supposed to get? Come on, McDonald's Corporation. So if you can imagine the display case at McDonald's, all the toys, you have a little figure of Arwen, you got a little figure of, you know, all the different Middle Earth princesses, and there's a big slash through it in the middle, there's a little pink, beautiful, cute side, and there's, like, the black and edgy side for the boys. Everything's like gunmetal. Gunmetal. Because... For the boys' toy, we're going to talk about Rebel Starfighters. Oh, you mean spaceships? I mean spaceships. I realize we've gone this many episodes of the show without me talking about spaceships, and I figured, now's the time, boys. Let's talk about starships. Now, how technical is this going to get? Like, how spec 
heavy. I'm not getting too technical. I'm also not getting too wide-ranging here. I'm only focusing on the ships that the Rebel Alliance uses in the original trilogy of the Star Wars. All right. And so there are four main ships in their fleet, and I'm going to talk about them. Some of them I think I already know. Okay, well, maybe, and I'll maybe, maybe you'll... Maybe your favorite will change. I don't know if you even have a favorite. Maybe you'll have them by the end of this. We'll I tend out. not to have favorite ships, but lay them on me and maybe I'll pick one. Now just think about it. Like if you're the pilot here and I'm like the used spaceship salesman, maybe you want to maybe you want to think about it, okay? So we're going to start with the classic, the all-arounder, the champ of all time, the X-Wing. Everyone knows an X-Wing. It's Luke Skywalker's ship. It's got those X-shaped wings in the back. It does the dog fights and it flies around. It's a classic starship. Even if you think you haven't seen one, you definitely have. You'd recognize it and be like, oh, it's that Star Wars ship. Also, I'm not entirely convinced that those wings would like be good for flying in space. Well, none of the wings would be any good I mean, in you space. don't need lift in space. There's no air. Now, the thing about all these ships is that they're also using the atmosphere as well. Okay, I guess that makes sense. So you would need it for that. So yeah, the classic. This is the T-65 Incom Starfighter, known as the X-Wing for its signature wing arrangement. Originally, this was commissioned by the Empire, actually. Really? They wanted to make their new fleet. When the Empire was first founded, uh, you know, the Emperor took over Order 66 and all that. He's like, we gotta have ships for this new fleet. Let's order some upgrades to the old Z-95 Headhunters, which were a ship previous to the X-Wing. Okay. Hang on, actually, you know what? You got, you got images? Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, you got toys. Hang on. Ryan, I kind of have to pee. Hold on. Hang on. Oh, Lord. He's brought out all his little miniature spaceships. There's a little toolbox full of miniature ships. Yeah, I have visual aids from the X-Wings miniature tabletop. Oh, he's got just a load of manuals here. Okay, so let me show you a Z-95 Headhunter. In comparison to an X-Wing. Okay, now we've got one little miniature model and another little miniature right. model. So here's an X-Wing, right? Classic. Yes, classic. It, Everybody would recognize it. Here's a Z-95 Headhunter. It's not an X. It's not. It did not have wings that opened it, up. It only has two wings instead of four. Yep. And so this was a ship that was really common in, before the rise of the Empire. They wanted an upgrade. And so they decided to commission the X-Wing. But it turned out the X-Wings were a little more expensive than they wanted. And they got a better offer from the Sinar fleet system, who offered to make these things called TIE Fighters. Oh! Which are extremely easy to mass produce. Uh, they went with those instead. A better financial deal, more efficient for them. And they didn't care about pilots dying like crazy. They were cheap. They could make a ton of them. That's what they wanted. They wanted numbers. Numbers, numbers, numbers. That is so the government. It is so the government. The government, am I right? Yeah. Now, the story of the government. X-Wing kind of branches in two different directions. So in the canon timeline, it's simply that story of where the the Empire's like, nah, we want to buy the TIE Fighter instead. Well, that, okay, happens, that, yeah. happens, that happens in Legends right. as well, but Legends has an extra wrinkle to it, which I think is kind of more interesting. So in the Legends timeline, the entire engineering staff at the Incom Corporation yeah. defected to the Rebellion, and they stole the four prototypes, and then they helped the, Rebe- the Rebellion mass-produce them in like various shipyards across the Outer Rim, like bits and pieces at a time. Literally all the engineers were Rebels? Yeah. I mean, I've met a lot of engineers, and I have to say, I feel like some of them would be rebels, but some of them would probably just keep their heads down. Well, you know, like, I think they realize, like, this thing we can make, if they mass-produce this thing, we're going to have a lot of dead civilians and stuff. Like, this is going to be 
we don't want this to get into the wrong mm, hands, right? I see. And so in the Legends timeline, they stole the prototypes and all of them, the whole department defected to the Rebellion, which I think is kind of a cool story. And especially the idea of like putting them together in like secret dry docks across the outer rim, like on the edges of Empire Space, like putting together one little piece at a time, you know, scavenging to find the right piece for the next X-Wing fighter. Yeah. Shipping them out, Real right? scrappy operation. Sounds a lot cool, right? Sounds yeah. pretty cool. Now, what's this baby cooking with? What do you got under the hood in this bad boy? So a first hammy. Of, well, it, oh, it's got a hammy. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe it does. So let's start with the f- signature feature: them S foils. Okay, the wings on an X wing are called S foils, which stands for strike foils. They can be locked together for speed to go a little bit faster, or they can be spread open for a wide range attack. They have four oh. blaster cannons on each one. Four. Count them: four KX nine blaster cannons with dual launch tubes for proton torpedoes below. It had four Incom thrust engines and a hyperdrive. So this can go through hyperdrive on its own. Really? Yeah. It never did, though. It did. In the movies? Yeah, you remember? Oh, I did not remember that. How does Luke get to Dagobah in an X-Wing? It just flies. Going in sublight speeds, that would take, like, months. Luke mm. was in a hyperspace off a of Hoth with his X-Wing. For all I knew, it did take months. Nope, he was there pretty quickly, like a couple of days. Really? Yep, yep. Or maybe I thought he went through, like... I don't know, wormhole. Also, Dagobah is pretty close to Hoth, like, space-wise, but, like, still, sublight travel, that'll still be days and days and days of travel. And he did not have time for that. He had to get to Yoda right away. So, yeah, X-Wings have a hyperdrive. You'll find that all these ships today I'm listing have hyperdrives on them. Really? Yep. It has a targeting computer. You probably remember in A New Hope. You know, Luke, you turn off your targeting computer. That thing's pretty strong. I don't know. I mean, he probably should have turned it off because it can track. I don't know why he did that. It can track a thousand moving sublight objects at once. A thousand? Yes. Or tw- That's like all the objects in space, basically. You can also acquire 20 bogeys, like enemy ships. Like like doing one over par? No, like bogeys. Come on, you've seen Top Gun. Come on, bogeys. I've seen Top Gun once, and let me tell you, the terminology was not what I was focusing on. I know, you're, you're focusing on the, on the beach volleyball. But yeah, the, it can target 20 bogeys. That is 20 enemies in front of you at a time, and you can pick which one you want to fight. So... Pretty powerful stuff on this bad boy. Yeah, it would seem. And the good little feature you have here, maybe you don't want to fly alone. There's an external socket for an astromech droid on the oh. top, which is why R2-D2 always rides in Luke's X-Wing. Now, R2 unit is used for hyperspace jumps, like calculating the distance and the timing and everything. It routes the power to different parts of the ship, and it can even fly the ship outside of combat. Hmm. So you get a little droid buddy to help you out on board the X-Wing. Fly it outside of combat, like to go pick up a gallon of milk or something? Well, like, like for example, if you're, fly- if you're flying a long distance in sublight speed and you want to sleep. Yeah. Say, hey, R2, take over. Oh, you can put it in autopilot. Yeah. What if your R2 droid, you know, let's just assume you don't have like a restraining collar on it or whatever, decides yeah. it wants to take it for a little while. That's why you got to make friends with your droids. Oh, okay, you got to be friends with that. So this is the signature ship of the Rebellion, and by the time Episode 7 rolls around, you probably noticed the X-Wings were in it were maybe a little bit different. Maybe you didn't notice, but they are slightly different. They had an upgrade, a straight upgrade between stories, and where is my Poe Dameron? This is Poe Dameron's actual X-Wing? Well, yeah, it's a model of it. His is painted kind of more cool than mine. His has like cool yellow stripes and stuff. So it was upgraded to the T-70. Okay, so tell me what's different. Well, just looking at it, the engines, the engines are much bigger. They're bigger engines. Uh, it has a socket for a ball droid now instead of just an R2 unit. Right. Um, it has more shielding as well, so pretty much better in every way. Straight it's got upgrade. like a wider, flatter nose. Yes, it does. It does. It's a little more aerodynamic, I think. So, actually, the, it's a fun fact. The Episode 7 T-70s are based on Ralph McQuarrie's first sketches of the X-Wing from A New Hope. Really? Yep. They, if you look at the old sketches, they have the same engines as the uh, ones in Force Awakens. But then they decided to go with this other design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So it's a fun little throwback. Hey! You got speed, you got attack power, you got shields, you got targeting, you got a droid buddy. The all-around champ for the pilot who wants a balanced attack. Cool. Right? It's kind of the yardstick by which all the other ships are going to be compared, so... Well, it's the one everybody knows. Yeah. Let's move on to the next ship in the fleet, the Y-Wing. Have you seen what a Y-Wing is? Um, I assume it's like an X-Wing, but it only has like three wings or something. Let me show you. You maybe recognize it from the movies. This is a Y-Wing. I pulled out a toy. It's not really a Y... Oh, you have to look at it from the top. Yes. That's more like a goalpost. They should call it a goalpost. Now, the Y-Wings, if you've seen the movies, this is what the gold squadron flies in A New Hope. The yeah. Gold, gold leader. Gold leader. Right, right, right. They're kind of these long, uh, flat ships. They look a bit cumbersome. Cumbersome. They don't look fast. Shaped like a Y from the top. Like a goalpost. Yeah. Like the- Touchdown, yeah, yeah, exactly. Miami! Now, this is the workhorse of the Rebellion fleet. The BTL Y-Wing Starfighter, called such because it's shaped like a Y, and also affectionately called Wishbones. By the rebel pilots. I just think they had not seen football because if they had seen football, yeah, they called a they called a a, 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 a goalpost for sure. Like yeah, like wishbones don't really look like that, but you know what looks like that? A goalpost. Bro, I gotta hop in my end zone over here. Mm. Yeah. So these things are pretty old. They go back to the Clone Wars era, and some of the ones in service to the rebellion are actually from that time. Oh wow! Yeah, they can't afford new ones. I mean, they could, but they're cheap. They're mass produced. They were used by mercenaries and pirates. Previous to the Rebellion getting a hold of them. Oh. And it's actually the most prominent uh, ship in their fleet, is the Y-Wing. <laughs> Can you soup them up so they go real fast? Well, let's talk about what they got on here, okay? okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the Y-Wing. So let's look at the specs of this guy. So right off the bat, this thing is a hoss. It has much better shields than the X-Wing, and it can take a huge beating. It's got a massive hull. It's very heavy, and so. it can take a lot more hits. It's kind of a more defensive ship. Yeah, it's more like the Chansey of if the If you're talking fleet. Pokemon, yes. If you're talking, it's like Blissey. Like, you can just yeah. hit it and hit it hit it. It's not going to hit you worth anything, really, but you're just going to hit it and hit it hit it, and it's never going to break. So, like, it's slower, less agile than the X-Wing, but to make up for it, you can load this thing with weapons. Just okay? like Chansey. So, it's most often used as a bomber. Yeah. It has a payload dock below, and you can load it with ordinances to drop below. Sure. It can be loaded with proton bombs or ion bombs. It has two laser cannons, two ion cannons, and two proton torpedo launchers. That's talking like, that's like seven weapons on one little ship here. And a reminder that ion weapons can knock out enemy systems. And so if you ion bomb them, you can really knock out a whole bunch of stuff. You can yeah. like, basically, if you use in tandem with an X-Wing, these things knock out the, like, the, the functions of the ship. And, and the X-Wing, X-Wing comes in and pew, pew, blows pew, them pew, up. Pew, pew, pew. Exactly. This ship is interesting because it actually has two seats in it. Really? You got a pilot and a gunner, and a, or a bomber. What about the droid? Where's the droid go? No, uh, the droid in the back. There's a little astromech seat. There's a part for a droid. There's a part for a droid. As you might remember in the Jedi Prince series, Luke and C-3PO flew around in one of these. They did, yes. And an R2 is in the co- in like the little R2 unit spot. Right. And so you can bring your droid buddy along with you. They're not really used by the time the New Republic comes around, like Episode 7, because by that time they've kind of aged out of service. But if you want a reliable two-seat weaponized wishbone that can take a beating... So yeah, if you want something that's going to last, that can be loaded up with stuff and take a buddy or two along with you, the Y-Wing's your ship. You sound like a car salesman trying to sell me, like, a Toyota crossover. I am. Oh. That's what I'll, The Y-Wing is the Toyota crossover of the Rebel fleet. But, like, a really old Toyota crossover. It's kept in good shape, you know? Like, you keep these things going, you can get into 200,000 miles easily. Easily. You easily. just get them serviced regularly. 200,000 light years, you know? Like, it's fine. You yeah, got, you absolutely. Got all right, let's talk about the third ship in the fleet. This is the A-Wing. Now, this one I don't know. So, Joanne, you have a need? A need for speed? I have a need for beach volleyball. The- I've already told you this is the only part of that movie I care about. 
Do you have a need for Speedy Beach Volleyball? Yes. Well, then the RZ-1 A-Wing Interceptor is what you need. It's got you covered, baby. Let's take a look at the A-Wing. This is an A-Wing. What's A about it? Um, uh, well... You don't know! Because this definitively does not look like an A! It's just There's nothing A- Wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, though, wait. It's kind of A-ish if you look well, at it from... Well, it's more of a wedge. <laughs> okay. It's like this little, small, wedgy-shaped ship. They just wanted um, to name everything after letters, regardless of whether or not it looked like that I'll, letter. There's actually a reason they call it the A-Wing, but I'll explain that after our next ship, because it's connected to that. It's like, the pilots called them that? Is in, yeah. Like, in, in legend, in, like, in the continuity, like, the pilots called them A-Wings. So it's the, R- it's the RZ-1, but they called it an A-Wing... We should call it the RZA wing. It may have been like like a Wu Tang thing. It might have been like, a like, like Rizzo. It was almost certainly a Wu Tang thing. Yeah, they're big fans of Rizza, so they call big it the A wing. Big fans of Rizza. Um, it's all they listened to in the Empire. So it was designed by the Rebellion after the Battle of Yavin when they noticed how fast and agile <coughs> the Tie Fighters were. Like our X wings are fast, but these Tie Fighters they kick our butts. Right. Plus, our spies tell us that there's a new Tie Fighter in the production that's going to be even faster than those. So we got to like. Come up with something new that can actually counter these oh, things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? And so they turned to ex co-op systems engineer designer named Wallex Blissix to put it together. However, since after Yavin, the Empire cracked down on ship production because they noticed, like, where these X-Wings come from? We didn't make these. Like, where are they being made? Blah, blah, blah. They cracked down on ship production across the galaxy. So the A-Wing had to be produced even more in secret. And so it had to be made at only at two locations, Carduin and the Chardan shipyards. And as such, it's actually the rarest ship in the Rebellion fleet. It only had a few full units. I don't remember seeing that many of them. It's in Return of the Jedi. It is. Yeah, and I'll explain where it shows up in a minute. Uh, there's the Green Squadron. It was at the Battle of Endor. It kind of looks more like the ships that just fly around, like, on Coruscant. It like, kind of looks like, going... a, like a little bit like a speeder, right? Yeah. Yeah, but let's uh, let's go through the A-Wing and why it's special. I, I really like the A-Wing. It's one of my faves, but let's look under the hood, all right? Okay. So most important, it's got these two J-77 Event Horizon engines. These things are Event beefy. Horizon, huh? They're seriously fast. They can accelerate almost twice as fast as the next wing. Whoa. Zippy as heck. And they're some of the most powerful sublight uh, thrusters, even past the A-Wing's production. Like, even into the New Republic, it's still some of the most powerful engines on the ship. And so you can go super fast with them. Also super agile. You could do highly sensitive control maneuvers. You could do barrel rolls and flips and stunts and stuff. You had to have a really, really with it pilot to do it good reaction times and stuff. If you're like a stunt pilot or something, like this thing was your ship. Wing-mounted laser cannons. You see on the side of this little ship, there's two little laser cannons. Um, they kind of will. What's nice, what's cool about these, they can actually rotate. So they can go, they can rotate hmm. 60 degrees and then some pilots who are super tricky would make them spin around all the way. So you can actually shoot behind you Whoa. while you're flying. Would it give you any extra thrust? I bet it would a little bit, right? I don't know why it would in space, because again, it's there's nothing in a vacuum for them to like press like, against. Again, all these ships can fly around in the <laughs> atmosphere as well. Okay. So if you figure there's a dogfight so in the air. So if you're lasering in the atmosphere. It could give you a little bit of a boost, yeah. Sure. Uh, it also had a concussion missile too, but not very used very often because, you know, it's like a fast little ship. Good for hit yeah. and runs attacks. Uh, a fun feature it has is a sensor jamming system. So if it flies near to enemy ships, it can jam their sensors. And so it basically becomes invisible, like like Trump's F-35. Like, you can't oh, see the plane the... you literally can't see. You can't see Nobody it. can shoot it, folks, because you can't see it. A-Wing is not on your radar because it jammed it. Uh, you got concealed multispectral imagers. So basically, like, high-tech imaging software on this thing. So you could knock out enemy sensors, take a bunch of pictures and images, and then fly back to your fleet. Oh. Great for spy missions, reconnaissance yeah, type stuff, right? Yeah, that's the one I want to fly. Downside of this one, no astromech droid slot. 
You're all on your own with this bad boy. That's okay, because then you don't have the pressure to make friends with it. That's true. Uh, I have social anxiety, also, only when I'm talking to droids. not much in the way of shields. Could be shot down pretty easily. Well, if they can catch it. If they can catch you. So if you're looking for a compact starfighter, like the X-Wing's probably too big for your garage. Yeah. X-Wing's, I should mention, is like 12.5 meters long. Oh, that's too long. This is only nine and a half I meters. I mean, I don't have a garage. This is only nine and a half meters long, so. Oh, well, that'll definitely fit in my garage. If you look at the figure, they're actually in, in scale. So you can see they're a lot smaller than a Y-Wing or an X-Wing. Oh, yes. Actually, in The Last Jedi, there's an upgrade to the A-Wing called the RZ-2. It's actually even smaller than an A-Wing. It's only 7.68 meters long. Oh, that's tiny. And you see them flying around. They're blue. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. These things, like I said, are in Return of the Jedi. You probably, well, if you remember them at all, you're going to remember the one that kamikazes itself into the bridge of the Star Destroyer. Yes. Executor. And makes the Executor crash land into the Death Star. Okay, yeah. I do. A ship that flies toward the windshield. You get a view from the inside of the bridge as the officer's like, oh, crap. Yeah. And then it hits and blows up. That was an A-Wing. That was an A-Wing. Okay, got it. So if you're looking for a ship that's faster than the TIE Interceptor, uh, let's use sick tricks, punchy stunts. Get the primest times. Look no further than the A-Wing. It's got you covered. I wasn't planning on looking further than the A-Wing. You want the A-Wing you want it so the far? The A-Wing's the one I want. Okay. It's a bit rare, a bit hard to find, but, you know, it's a good one. The last ship in the fleet. This is kind of a weird one. I don't actually have a toy of this one, so I'm just going to have to show you a picture. This is the powerhouse of this yeah. fleet. The asf one B-Wing Heavy Assault Starfighter. The B-Wing. This is the most heavily armed starfighter and bomber in the Rebel Alliance's fleet. So let me show you a picture of a B-Wing. So you said that the Y-Wing was the Hoss, but it sounds like this B-Wing is more of a Hoss. Well, <coughs> it is. I'm sure when George Lucas was coming up with these ideas for the ships, he was thinking of World War II ships, right? Oh, almost certainly. X-Wing is like your fighter jet. Yeah. Okay. Your Y-Wing is like your, your bomber. Yeah. Right? Your A-Wing, I don't know, a faster jet. <laughs> I don't know anything about warfare. The B-Wing is going to be your... Hey, fl- one of you guys who like really is obsessed with the military, write in and tell us what an A-Wing would be. The B-Wing is your flying fortress. Okay. Like huge... It's like an aircraft carrier or something? No, you know flying fortress? I don't know anything. There's a flying... B-17, right? Huge ship. Whoa! Huge plane. Flying fortress is right. Holy cannoli. But here's a B-Wing. Wait. Do you remember seeing this? Yes? Why is it vertical? It's a B-Wing. But why is it... Well, it doesn't look like a B... Now here's where it looks like a, it looks like a guy. It looks like Jesus who said, "I love you this much," and stretched out his arms and died. It's it's a cross. It's a cross. It actually were called crosses by some pilots. I said during the A wing, I explained why that's called an A wing. This this called a B wing. Yes, because when the script was being written, they had the A ship and the B ship oh, <laughs> as for a new ship. Yeah, oh, for real. <laughs> yeah, so they stuck. They stuck. Whatever. Even though they're not shaped like A's and B's. No, I think if like you could like some people say, oh, if you look at it upright, like from the side, it looks kind of like a lowercase b. It does not. I'm here to tell you right now, it really does not. Some people suggest that the B stands for blade because it's got very thin wings. It can look like a blade. Sure. I don't know. It's the B wing. I think it stands for bull roar. Okay. Yeah. Now, you might remember in our Grand Moff Tarkin episode, we talked about how for a while, Akbar was Tarkin's little slave boy. He was. His, and actually, you know, learned a lot of tactics from Tarkin. Stuff like that. Because Tarkin underestimated him. Right, exactly. So you also remember that the rebellion did a raid and in the process rescued Akbar. Yes. This was shortly before the, the Battle of Yavin, and after that, they uh, needed a new tactician. They needed someone who could help them out with their new threats of the Empire as posing to them. Got it. And so almost immediately, Akbar, with his knowledge from Tarkin and stuff he learned, became their main tactician. It's something they really needed at the time because the Empire's capital ships, their Star Destroyers, we're making short work of the Rebellion's transports. Yeah. They're knocking them out of space super easy. Tons of turbo lasers. 
nothing could stand up to them. And so Akbar said, I'm going to help you guys with this. I'm going to, he started a project called Project Shantipole. And this is where he's going to create a starship that could act as a defensive convoy for uh, transports, as well as a ship that could hold its own in combat. And so he went to the Roche system. Yes. Which was a wide, like a, basically it's a huge asteroid belt. Mm-hmm. And living among the asteroids are these insectoid species called the Verpine. They're going to make ships? They, yeah, they live inside of asteroids. And they're some of the most genius engineers in the galaxy. Really? Very, very secretive. No allegiance to either the Rebellion or the Empire, but Akbar went to them and said, help me make a ship. And so with his help, the Verpine and Akbar created the B-Wing. And then Akbar was like, this isn't shaped like a bee. And that they're like, yes, I know. This is what our bee looks like in our alphabet. It's kind of like a cross. That's true. Maybe I'm being like ethnocentric. Maybe their bee looks like that. Let's hear what they're- I don't know why they would have bees. So what are, the, what are these bugs? What is Oh, it's just for bug wing. Bug wing. Oh my god. You know, it does look like a bug's wing. Yeah, it does. It's a bug wing. Verpine made it a bug wing. Oh my god, we cracked this code. Bug wing. All these years we've been wondering. It was right in front of our noses. So what did the sad-eyed fishman and his bug friends put in this bad boy? Let's find out. Hammy. It's a weird-looking ship, first of all. We'll say that off right at the bat. It's got a cockpit with a single long wing and then two smaller wings that kind of fold outwards. Yeah. Like a cross below. What's cool about this, though, is that the cockpit is actually on a gyroscopic socket. And so you can have the cockpit steady while the wing swings around it. Oh, wow. So you can, like, you kind of, like, get around narrow things and, like, change your trajectories and stuff. And your cockpit's always going to be stationary. You're not going to get dizzy. That's kind of cool. It's kind of neat, right? And so you could do, like, really advanced flight and attack maneuvers since you could have so much control over your yeah. ship. Yeah. Pretty good engines on this thing, but it's actually even slower than the Y-Wing. See, probably because it's big. Because when yeah. I look at it in that picture, like, it looks like... It is big. It is big. It's bigger. It's like, yeah, about like that size. <laughs> That's You're... immense. Yeah. The, 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 the length he's showing, it's like about three times as tall as the Y-Wing is long. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Maybe like... Maybe like that and a half tall. Right? Okay, so it's like 1.5 times. Still, very it's, big. That's really big. Not very maneuverable either, but it makes up for it with all of its cool gadgets on board. you got this advanced targeting system that has holographic imaging, which is connected to the armaments. And so basically, you have this targeting computer system that could auto-fire for you. Yeah. Target things with this computer, shoot them for you, mm-hmm. soften them up. Oh, so wait, what do you? What does it even need you for? Well, for like doing missiles and stuff. Like you know, it needs that human element to fly the thing. But okay. it has this targeting system. I just sent it as a drone. You could do some coordinated precision strikes with this thing. So again, this thing has tons of weapons: three light ion cannons, one heavy laser cannon, the auto blasters I just talked about that shoot on their own, and two proton torpedo launchers. So in squadrons of like a group of them, can actually go toe to toe with a star destroyer. Whoa! And fight it off. A whole yep. Star Destroyer? Mm-hmm. It's even beefier than the Y-Wing, like bigger, like stronger hull and even beefier shields. It's highly modular, so you could actually change it around a lot. You could trick it out. A common mod was to make the cockpit able to hold two people. Yeah. One that was a pilot, one that was a gunner. Yeah, yeah. So you could have, like, you know, multiple people on board, make it even better. And I keep making Y-Wing comparisons because Akbar's idea was that this would replace the Y-Wing eventually. Oh, we wouldn't need the Y-Wing right. anymore. But it wasn't until the New Republic that the B-Wings actually took their place because they were still... Prototypes are still kind of hard to produce. Yeah. Had a lot of advanced technology on board. People kind of forget about the B-Wing even being in the movies. This is in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And it's not really in it that much. You see a pilot's seat of it. You see one of uh, Neen Nub's people piloting one. I swear I saw one. Right. But you only probably saw it in a couple shots because there's not any action shots of it in the movie because it was so hard to green screen because its wings were so thin. Yeah. Oh. It was really hard to mat around those and still have it show up. Yes. And so it's not really in the movie that much. 
But if you watch The Last Jedi, those bombers that they flew yeah. at the beginning, they're kind of shaped like a B-wing, right? Yeah. They got the long skinny body, they got the pilot, they got the cockpit at the top, the two smaller wings. Right. And that's because they're actually designed by the Verpine as well. The Verpine, the bug people who made the B-wing. Oh. And it actually has the same, um, part of the same series as the B-wing. It's the BSF-17, while the B-Wing was the ASF-01. So, part of the same series. Okay. So, the B-Wing is a ship. It can hang with the big boys. So, are you big enough to handle this ship? Am I big enough to handle this ship? No. Okay. I'm willing to definitively state, no, I am not. Why? I'm just asking. So, like, of the four ships in the Rebellion fleet, let's say you were a pilot. You're a scrappy young pilot. Yes. You just defected to the Rebellion, and you gotta pick one of these bad boys to take into a space combat with a bunch of TIE fighters. What you gonna rock? A wing. A wing. Why the A wing? Because it's the fastest, and it accelerates the fastest. It's like basically the dry bones of this fleet. And it probably has the highest acceleration. It actually has the highest top speed too. So yes, it's even better than that. I just want to be fast. Like if I decide to get scared and run away, I want to be able to do it extremely rapidly. Do you have the response time for this thing? Absolutely not. <laughs> You need Jedi-like reflexes to fly these bad boys. Well, I'm not Jedi, so which one does not require you to be a Jedi? You know, I think it's good you maybe have a bit of uncertainty, because I actually have a quiz. Oh my god, is this like one one awesome Quizella one? Yeah. Like that one that told me what kind of witch I'd be? That which was totally Star Wars related. Yeah, totally. Let's start. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite sport? I don't like sports. Soccer, rugby, football, track. Ah, uh, track. What's your favorite color between these three? Red, gray, or yellow? Yellow. Favorite genre of movie? Horror, sports, action, or romance? Horror. Best superhero? Spider-Man, The Flash, Superman, or Iron Man? Oh, Iron Man. Iron Man. Favorite food? Sushi, steak, burger, spaghetti? Sushi. Sushis. What's the best Star Wars movie of the three original trilogy? Um, I mean... Probably. What's your favorite? My favorite? Yeah. Yeah, probably Empire Strikes Back, which is the common opinion, but... Calculating results. A-Wing! All right! That's the one I wanted! The A-Wing is the fastest fighter we have, capable of matching a tight interceptor in speed, says General Carlos Rican. Thanks, Carlos Rican. So you are an A-Wing person. Did you take the test? I haven't. Let me do it. I want to know what you got. It's probably pretty similar. I like to think that's the same test they gave people when they would enter, like, Into the, the rebellion. The, the academy or whatever. <laughs> What's your favorite sport? What color do you like? <laughs> Which genre of movie? What's your favorite sport? I think soccer's fun to watch, I guess. Okay, go with that. What's your favorite color? Red. Favorite movie? Probably horror as well. Superhero? Spidey. Food? Fushi. Empire is probably the best. Yes. Return of the Jedi is like my fave, but New Hope is also the, like a perfect movie. Yes. Empire. Calculating. X-Wing, You're an baby! X-Wing! Oh my god, that's the one every little boy wants to be. Because it's the most well-rounded, it's good at everything, and it rules. You're the you're an X-Wing. Not not you would fly an X-Wing, you literally are an X-Wing. I am an X-Wing! It's like, which Disney princess are you? Which Star Wars ship are you? Yeah. Wow. Nice quiz. So... That's your boy section. You're welcome, little boys. Yeah, now you all know what kind of ship you are, and you all know which one has a Hemi and which doesn't. And also, if you're, by the way, if you're a girl who's into ships, be into those ships. You should, because I think the Star Wars ships are pretty cool. Some people, that's their favorite part of Star Wars. It's ships. Oh, God, don't I know it, because like, I met some of them in college. Like, honestly... I've met a lot of them at parties. I haven't covered it that much, because I'm more interested in, like, goofy aliens and stuff in Star Wars, but... 
you know, I think the ships are pretty fun. I mean, if you look at my box of miniature Your Star Wars. Your box of ships? My box of ships. You can see I have quite a few. So, and you can use them all in the game. So it's pretty neat. So that is my that's my story. Thank you for sharing your tiny ships with me. Hope it wasn't too, you know, too much testosterone for you, Joanna. It was a little. I mean, I have definitely started to grow some facial hair, but it's good. But I think it's good. But you walked out with a favorite ship. So. I walked out with a favorite ship. And did you walk out with a favorite princess? Yeah. Who's your favorite princess? Yeah, Finduilis is always. I mean, I love her ever since our little adventure. I you just she, love my portrayal of her. I think she's hilarious. You love. You think my Finduilis is very funny. Yeah, and her too. So. Yes. Okay, yes. so we'll go with that. Fenduilis is my We'll favorite. go with Fenduilis. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Joanna. This, is, this, has, been, this has been our Happy Meal episode. Now we need to move into our segment. The worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst name challenge. It is still going. We've done this for like the last three months, I realized, which is crazy. Unbelievable. Who knew there were that many weird and bad names? Eventually, we'll run out. But maybe not. But eventually. Eventually we will. And then we'll Realistically. To, I think what we should do, once we get rack up enough names that we've gone through the gone through the gauntlet. Yes. I think we should have a single elimination tournament or maybe a vote to figure out like the exact order of oh, worst to best. Oh, that is smart. I like that. I like that. Like a, like the um Tenkaichi Budokai. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe like a full on arena tournament. With an announcer. Yeah. And there might be a future episode coming up. Who knows? But yeah, last week we had Doofendork up against Salacious Crumb. And who won? Doofendork. Carry through again. Good job. See, Salacious Crumb is an objectively good name. I know. Not that's a bad a, name. I put forward an actual cool name. Yeah. Doofendork rule. So, at, at, at sucking. So what are you going to throw up against our boys, Doofendork? Luke Skywalker. But wait, Ryan, isn't that just the name of the main character of the original Star Wars trilogy? Sorry, let me say that again. Luke Skywalker. Wait, you're just drawing out the word Luke so it's slightly longer. No, no, no. There's two U's in this. Luke Skywalker. Wait, is there a separate character called Luke Skywalker? Yes. I ask very disingenuously because you've told me before. So in the Admiral Thrawn books, they recover Luke's severed hand from Cloud City. Yes. And they use it to extract the DNA and make a clone of Luke. Yes. An evil clone of Luke Skywalker called Luke Skywalker with two U's. Okay, so that name sucks. <laughs> like, obviously that name sucks a lot. <laughs> they put so much effort into this stupid plot, but they put zero effort into the name. Um, second of all, how did they guarantee that he was going to be evil? I think they just, like... They just gave him a very bad childhood. I think it's nurture over, like, over nature here. I think they just, like, raised him to be bad. Ooh. So well, then again, maybe like I mean, who uh, he probably got beat up a lot because his name was Luke. Yeah, it's like, hey, you sound just like that famous hero of the rebellion, except your parents put two U's in your name, and it's stupid. So, all right, so we've got Doofendork. Now, keep in mind, if Doofendork win again this week, they will be raised into the rafters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus not Luke Skywalker, but Luke Skywalker, an evil boy made out of a hand. With two U's in his With name. With two U's in his name. Cast your vote now. You can do so on Twitter or Facebook. Or you can go on our website, which the poll's not there. It's just a nice website to go to. You know, I think Joanna's been updating it, keeping up to date, right? Uh, yeah. You know, www.whatslightsabersprecious.com. You can email us, whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Go on Apple Podcasts. Rate us up. Leave a review. I had a good idea yeah. for a review 
uh, of our show. Oh, a reward. A, re- a reward for reviewing our show. Yes. And that if you do it, I will sketch you a picture of you as a hobwalk. Oh, now you guys might not know this. We may not have mentioned it. But Ryan is actually a professional artist. He's a professional freelance illustrator. He illustrates kids' books. So he actually does know how to draw. Yes, and I will. You can send me your description. I can draw you a person as an, as an hobwalk, or you can, you know, make up your own hobwalk character, but I will make one for you because that's how much I appreciate you and your time spent listening to our show and telling us what you think of it. Yeah. And I appreciate you too, but not listen, enough to like draw a picture. Listen, listen, listen. You may be afraid, like, oh, I don't want to email. I feel like I'm bragging. I feel like I'm just like, you know, doing it, doing the review for the, for the, for the drawing. And you know what? That's okay. We don't care. We really, really, really don't care. Please. <laughs> Whether or not be, it's, it's altruistic or not is of no import to us. Be shameless. I do not care. I encourage it. In fact, please do it. And, and on that note, yeah, we're going to end here. Thank you for listening to this, the second episode of the second season of What's Lightsaber's Precious. Oh, we're already there. Wow. Can you believe it? Two, two. Season finale coming up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're only going to have three episodes this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a short run. Something it's, we forgot to mention. It's going to be like a British series. It's going to be six episodes that we're going to end And a series. Christmas special. And a Christmas special. Yes. Speaking of which, we're probably going to do some holiday stuff next week. Yeah, we just got to think of what it is. I mean, we've got this planned out well ahead of time because we're professionals. Ha <laughs> ha. We got it. Don't worry. Christmas special coming up. Coming your way. Get ready for it. Bada bing, bada boom. See you next week. Bye. Bye.